So let's like step back to the idea of a driver's license. There's three parties involved. There is the government who issues you a driver's license, and that's a trusted entity. And then you hold that driver's license in your wallet. And if you take it to a bar, they can then scan it and get that validation from the government that says that you are eligible to drink, for example. But you are actually holding that wa- that driver's license in your physical wallet. Mm. And that's the idea with a self-sovereign identity is that it could just be those bits that you host on a private data server, like you mentioned, or it could be something that you put as an NFT in your wallet on Ethereum in that digital context. Or it could be something that you say, I use Google Cloud for everything. I'll put it in my Google Drive because that's more convenient for me. Welcome to the Global Affair Podcast, brought to you by Love Out Loud, the world's largest love-based movement actualizing a civilization of love by 2030. My name's Nicole Gibson, and join me and some of the world's brightest minds as we bring some of the most important and controversial conversations of our time into a space of unity. It's important to know that as your host, this isn't about my personal opinion or bias, but rather an opportunity to listen with love, honesty, curiosity, and reveal the true universal experience us humans have amongst the differences. So if you love the show, please let us know by giving us a rating and tell us how to make this conversation easier for other people to jump into as well. And with that, let's get it. Omar, welcome to The Global Affair, also co-hosted once again by Sanaz. We're in the same series at the Longevity DSI conference. This is a really important conversation. A conversation that I know Sanaz yes. is in particular <laughs> very passionate about. So I would actually love you, Sanaz, to kick off the leading question here for Omar. Yeah, I'm a huge data sovereignty advocate and I've really been looking for a solution that could be literally woven into many different <laughs> <laughs> softwares and platforms and companies uh, as a solution. And really would love for you to like, Elaborate on what the mission is behind WeChain and why is this such an important matter to you? And what is driving you? And when did this start? Because for me, it was a huge wake up call about eight years ago. And so I'm just so happy now to be at a point where there's actual solutions that exist. That is an amazing kickoff. Thank Mm -hmm. you for having me here. It's great to be chatting. Just start off. I'm Omar, founder and CEO of uh, WeChain, which helps you establish self-sovereign Web3 data. And those are two like distinct things that we think are really important. And I'll say the way that we got here was through my previous company, Mono.ai, where we were trying to go and track all of a user's time. So connect to your phone, your computer, your wearable, your calendar, and try to guess the gaps using AI. And we were doing great. The problem was that we built the world's greatest spyware. We were like looking at the data on our servers, even for like myself. And I was like, wow, this knows everything that's happening in my life. Mm. And the idea that data was being passed to somebody else's server was creeping us out. We were like, we want to go and help people spend time better. And it's just not worth the price of giving up that privacy. Mm -hmm. So we started looking into solutions that people could actually host the data themselves on their own devices. And we looked at all these different federated learning technologies. And then we were trying to figure out, all right, now how can we go in and convince these people to let us train an AI on that data in a way that fully preserves their privacy? And we stumble upon Web3 technology as a great solution that could go in and actually reward them with almost like partial ownership of the project to say that if we have these, this token that governs mana, that we could go and give that token to users and say that you're actually helping build this thing with us. And what we realized is that Web3 technology wasn't sufficient at the time because the current vision of owning your own data in Web3 is predicated on this idea that you will be able to, let's say, encrypt it and put it on a service like IPFS. And then you will have rights to that data. But that's crazy. That's sort of like sacrificing 
putting the data on one centralized server to putting it in this crazy thing that people have called like a public nudist speech. It's from a data protection perspective. It's just that that, that doesn't work <laughs> with me. What I was doing at 2 a.m. last Saturday would be on this public decentralized server <laughs> is, is an athlete to me. That, that is there forever. Yeah, it's just that uh, I'm not <laughs> cool with that Frozen risk. in time forever. So we started developing weave chains as, as a solution to go and enable what we call dynamic data governance. So maybe I want to keep my data on my machine. Mm. Maybe I want to have it on your server if I trust you. Or maybe I want the right to choose where it's placed. And I still want to get all those other great features of Web3 technology, which is compensation if it's going to be used in these other processes to train AI and things like that. Uh, a record of how it's being used so that I can go and see that maybe a third party went and used my data and then actually pass it on to another party. I want to know what's happening there. And we think that's a right that most people should have for their data. It's definitely a human rights. Yeah. And uh, knowing like just even within the longevity sector, how valuable your genetic data is, mm -hmm. your biometric data, your microbiome data. And also having mm -hmm. the option to be able to even donate it, not mm -hmm. even trying to broker your own data, but like mm -hmm. being able to even donate it to a cause and seeing like what happens and what they do with it. I was talking to somebody just a few weeks ago who had some rare disease. I can't remember what it was, but she was approached by a major pharmaceutical company that paid her $50,000 just for her DNA data, right? The same kind of data that you spit in a vial and pay 23 and me a hundred bucks to go and sequence for you. She received $50,000 for and she wasn't like actively pursuing this kind of thing, but she was an expert in the space and connected to people that could go and, and, and do that for her. And we think that there is the opportunity to open up those kind of opportunities for all kinds of people. So we're working with a company called Genobank right now, and they want people to own their own genetic data in that self-sovereign way using weave chain technology. And then for there to be a way for them to see if there are people out there that are willing to compensate them in exchange for that data, mm. as opposed to just the 23andMe model one of the downsides is that you don't quite know what they're doing with your data. And yeah. There are historical examples. I think it was like IMS Health made $14 billion in 2014 off of medical data that they got from hospitals in an anonymized fashion that patients didn't even know they were contributing. And on the upside, I'm sure they actually were able to use that for some really important research that's done great things. But the fact that nobody even knew about it really is kind of weird to me. I don't mm -hmm. think that's a, an appropriate way to, to be doing things. Yeah. Can you distinguish like what's the difference between like, having a digital wallet or an SSI and then or incorporating with WeChain? What is the distinction there? Yeah, if you have a digital wallet that is on the Ethereum network, for example, there is this public record that has an address for you that says whenever people are going to allocate you thing on this published ledger that we will represent that right with a whole network. And when people talk about a self-sovereign identity, it's actually a file almost that you could put inside of that digital wallet or you could just store on your own computer locally. Wouldn't that still be on a cloud though? Because most of us still s store our data on centralized clouds unless do you think that the solution has to for private servers to exist? Partially. So yeah. it's why I talk about that idea of dynamic data governance. Okay. So let's like step back to the idea of a driver's license. There's three parties involved. There is the government who issues you a driver's license and that's a trusted entity. And then you hold that driver's license in your wallet and if you take it to a bar, they can then scan it and get that validation from the government that says that you are eligible to drink, for example. But you are actually holding that that driver's license in your physical wallet. Mm. And that's the idea with a self-sovereign identity is that it could just be those bits that you host on a private data server, like you mentioned, or it could be something that you put as an NFT in your wallet on Ethereum in that digital context. Or it could be something that you say, I use Google Cloud for everything. I'll put it in my Google Drive because that's more convenient for me. 
But again, it's sort of that right to have it in a fully off-chain, offline capacity, and then a choice whether you're going to use those services as a convenience that I think is important. Hmm. One of the things I'd really love to um, sort of open up for other founders that are probably in similar positions in truth. So I was uh, our whole team explaining some of the challenges we've had around data sovereignty Hmm. and hosting where we're going to host the data. It's sensitive data, what people are feeling, why they're feeling it, when they're feeling a similar crisis of conscience in, in our journey through Sanaz's advocacy, also really becoming acutely aware of the importance of data sovereignty. How have you developed WeaveChain in a way that empowers companies like InTruth, other biometric companies to be able to protect their users' data? We always say, think about the future and the present at the same time. Mm. So design your architecture to be ready for that scenario where Maybe people want to have it on their local device or on a cloud or on some third party that they imagine. Mm. And then do what you can today to get those users excited to to do this Mm. and explain your roadmap ahead of time and say, this is what we are working towards, but you can partner with us today to go and get there. Yeah. Because the reality is, even at this conference, we went and did that proof of philanthropy NFT for everybody. Mm. I love that, by the way. It was really fun. <laughs> There's really... a few people there that, and I love that your workshop on like how to actually create a MetaMask mm-hmm. wallet because they're mm-hmm. like, I don't even know step one. That's exactly what it was. I can't tell you how many people we've worked with to go and set up their first wallet on MetaMask yeah. and then get their first tokens and then also get the gas token to be able to send that token <laughs> to somebody else. And it's just hard right now. And, and that is the unfortunate reality of a lot of self-sovereign data mm-hmm. is that it's just too hard right now. And if you mm. can convince people of the importance yeah. of this the, this concept. Well, the potential risk yeah. as well. Sure. Mm. Yeah. This, uh, is, this is what I love about Love Out Loud, that you're even, like ha- open to having these discussions. And so having in truth have like sovereign capabilities or beyond. being able to have it on the roadmap, essentially. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Sonos. I guess for us, we've had, in a way, always a very humanitarian vision. And so we weren't historically a technology company. So as we moved into technology... I suppose the upside of the that has been we've taken our values with, with us. And sovereignty is actually one of our company values. It's one of our core three values. And so it was only a matter of time before we started to realize, wow, okay, we really need to interweave that with the data that we're collecting from our users. But it's not, as you would know, an easy problem to solve. And you're talking about sort of the complexity and the friction in the user experience. What's your kind of prediction whether it's some of the solutions that we've chain are coming up with yourself or the kind of space at large what should we expect How, when can we find a frictionless experience yeah you know I, that, that would take a, a magic eight ball to, to go and figure <laughs> out but uh, i'll say this it is going to be a community that figures it out yeah, yeah. i think it's going to be hear that love out loud is <laughs> <laughs> yeah genuinely though you have a very ethical perspective on what you're trying to build and yeah. I think you're going to find users that care about those values right. that you mentioned well, I'd earlier. I actually think it would be a competitive edge. Exactly. I would, I would yeah. go as far to say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We talked about this being like very niche, but I actually think mm. that in, in, in the long run, it'll be more of a broader need. But you know, how, what do people have to become vulnerable to before that kind of... And yeah, I'm curious to hear your perspective, but please keep going. I want to hear also yeah. about the, the film that you're doing, which will educate people on, on some of those risks. But the way we look at it, there's multiple barriers there. There's first off, establishing that community. And Mm -hmm. I think things like the decentralized science movement have done a great job of highlighting these things and bringing people together that really care Mm -hmm. about these things. But then there's also just the technical feasibility of making it easy for people. Mm -hmm. And that's where we're trying to participate at WeaveChain. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm a data guy. I'm a plumber. We're we're doing the same kind of things that we're talking about here for emotional data, genetic data, Mm -hmm. for financial data, and and Mm -hmm. for all these other different types of data, because they're all just bits to me. 
But that's where I think I can go <laughs> yes. and add value. Right. What, what is the current roadmap right now for an organization or a company or startup to, to integrate with LeapChain? So again, starting from that sort of architecture first perspective, we go and say, go and create the simplest version of your app that you can and be willing to host the data yourself and, and do that in plain sight with your users. And then when you connect the WeChain node to that application infrastructure, you will be ready to utilize self-sovereign data once it's palatable for your users and once mm-hmm. you can make that experience easy okay. enough. But if you, let's say, start with a really hard experience for you, your users, you're never going to get a chance. Mm. But we can help you sort of, again, prepare for that future while having a, a palatable future. And that's the thing. I think part of the bigger conversation here is as a founder, you're, you've got, you're managing a lot of expectation from a lot of different yeah. directions and often conflicting expectation from your users. Your users want you to have an experience that's as seamless as all of the companies that are selling your data to who knows what mm-hmm. and who as frictionless as that, but also to be protected and to be true to your company values. And then the founders also contending with the expectations of investors and Mm -hmm. and churn rates and even the team, because it's not an empowering feeling for a team to launch an app to market. Sure. And then the churns are 80% because you decided you were going to keep the data safe, but that created a massive downturn in momentum. These are all really important considerations, and I I definitely haven't found all of the answers other than having these conversations as a part of what our company does. Mm. And hopefully, for our listeners, you're with this, you're on the journey with me and with us, and it creates an investment in the story that we're writing together. I completely agree. For our customers, let's say it's split into two. I would say that you are on the visionary side, and you have that end target in mind. And we would come in and try to help you establish that architecture that's future ready. Mm-hmm. The other community that we deal with is just the builders. Yeah. So we go to these hackathons and, and we'll go and try to help people go in and build at their root level. And their, their user experience is more like how simple are your APIs versus how simple is your actual user app. Mm-hmm. But we hope that both communities are having the same result, which is creating amazing user experiences that are also ethically founded. I, I was talking with Diego from Beacon earlier today. Yeah. And I love his model, which is they build a Web3 gaming company. And he says, it starts with a good game. And he goes and has his users. They don't even know that they're dealing with blockchain technology. They're just in there playing a game. And then he gives them outlets to go and and withdraw their NFTs from the game or something like that. And that withdrawal part is a uh, high friction experience at this point. Mm -hmm. But he knows that he's designed the system ethically, that it's using all these cool things to build a better user experience, and that it also has that ability to let users see the NFT in their wallet of whatever item they got in the game. Mm. I, I like that approach a lot. Yeah, that's cool. I like that as well. Yeah. Well, what else? Know, per- what else? Personally, for me, like you mentioned the film, like mm. we're looking at, I'm always like, okay, if you, when you present a problem, mm. all right, and you don't want to put people in a state of fear, okay, we're, we're talking about extraction of data, possibly being a human rights violation, but I'm equally as adamant about finding solutions. So mm. that's why I'm really happy to have this conversation and also looking for potential collaboration in the future to refer people your way as well. And so I'm really excited to see your company grow and for this to become a lot more mainstream. 100%. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. And uh, unfortunately, like let's say the data abuse that's happening is only accelerating right now. Mm. So we're really thrilled by what's happening in the AI space. But the reality is that people are scraping data more than they ever have before. (laughs) There's a reason you're seeing Twitter and Reddit establish paywalls for their APIs. Mm. Because uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar, there's this file that most people host on their websites called robots.txt. And the idea is that it says what robots should and should not do. Mm. But there's nothing actually protecting it besides this page that says, please don't do this. Crazy. 
And what we've seen over the past couple of years is that everybody's just ignoring that now. <laughs> and it, it's a shame that is where we are. We're so, we're so short-sighted in so many ways, aren't we? And I think maybe that's the longevity we need to think about, our ability to see beyond next week and the immediate gratification we can get from cutting corners. Actually, mm-hmm. I really encourage our listeners to to take that in, that a part of designing this new world, the reason you support Love Out Loud, I'm assuming, is you want to build a new world along alongside us and with us. And a part of that is going to mean the discomfort of stretching your thinking to 10 years from now, 50 years mm-hmm. from now, 100 years, 1,000 years from now, and really think what are the systems that we invest in How are they going to affect the foundations of the world that's to be? That's really what excites me most about blockchain technology a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. It's a transition from Google's old don't be evil to Mm -hmm. can't be evil mindset. (laughs) Because unfortunately, we are seeing a lot of people losing the prisoner's dilemma (laughs) where collaboration is the best case scenario. But really, you're going to have these centers that that sort of... Omar, you also have a podcast, right? We do, The Future of Data. Future of Data. I'm going to be listening. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) My co-founder and I are talking about very technical subjects, but uh, I love it. It's exciting. <laughs> I'll be listening. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely be tuning in. And please make sure you do, you guys do as well. Omar, how can anyone that's interested in working with WeaveChain, any founder that's listening to this, is like, yeah, I want to go on this journey with you. What's the best way to get in touch? At WeaveChain.com, you will find a million ways to reach out to us. Hello at WeaveChain.com over email. I think I'm at Omar Elnigar on Telegram. Uh, our Twitter is WeaveChainWeb3. Um, and if you reach out and you're looking to build, we support builders. So if you have a vision, we support visionaries. And really, we're trying to work with the people that believe in a better paradigm for data and want to help them achieve it. Fantastic. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you, Omar. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening, my friend. If you enjoyed the show, please let us know by leaving a review or sharing the episode with someone you love and expanding this conversation as far and wide as possible. If you're looking for a community to have conversations with about global affairs, please jump in our Telegram group or join our free think tanks. Thanks for being a part of the shift towards a love-based civilization. We'll see you in the Telegram group or in the next episode.